Hello again, everybody. Good afternoon. My, I am your host, Felipe Melissio, and you're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. Uh, as mentioned, I am your host, Felipe, and with me, as always, is Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm still just trying to figure out if it was a rat or a raccoon last night. That's uh, that's the, the big story in uh, Mets land is a rat or raccoon. Is that about Jeff McNeil? Yeah, well, what happened was uh, there were some words, I think, said between Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil in the clubhouse tunnel. And as they were coming off the field, like the entire rest of the team ran into the clubhouse tunnel and we had no clue what was going on. And then in the post game, they asked Francisco Lindor, hey, what happened? What was that all about? And he said, oh, Jeff McNeil was just back there. And he's like, there's a raccoon back here. And I said, no, it's a rat. And he said, no, I think it's a raccoon. And he said, so we were just arguing over whether it was a raccoon or a rat. But it was obviously over some, something that happened on the field or uh, in the dugout. But it was uh, quite was funny. Say- Basically, it involves uh, a, some sort of woodland creature, including Jeff McNeil, who is a squirrel. A squirrel. I, I, that's what I said. I, I'm saying, like, okay. are, are we sure that it wasn't a squirrel? Squirrel. That's pretty <laughs> interesting. So there's already a little bit of uh, a rift in Metsland. I mean, that's what happens. Well, when... uh, it seemed to blow over quite quickly because they batted okay. right next to each other in the bottom of the ninth inning. And okay. Francis Gullendor is back to hyping him up and talking to him in the on-deck circle before the inning began. So okay. uh, I think it's much ado about nothing, but funny story to begin with. Yeah, sometimes, like my dad used to say, sometimes you just got to beat the shit out of somebody else just to make amends with someone. Real talk, men talk, right? Hey, and it, it obviously it pissed off Lindor enough because he uh, hit his first Mets home home run. So yeah, no, uh, he tie, his- it, yeah, it tied the game. It was big. Now he just has to keep doing that for the rest of the the season, you know, just piss off your teammate because <laughs> that's not toxic at all, right? <laughs> Don't well, you know that you're toxic? <laughs> is that Britney Spears? Yes. Uh, that's a uh, that's a thirty five grade attempt right there. Good job. Uh, oh, that oh, not even forty. Come on now. No, no, you have room for improvement there, Sean. Room for uh, improvement. If you're uh, asking yourself why is Felipe back on the air, uh, yeah, that's because we were doing a fantasy basketball special over at the Step Back Podcast. Uh, your boy uh, finished uh, second place, lost to Leon Tompkins in the championship game, but that was a it's a fun season regardless. Uh, over at we're using CBS Sports as our uh, what do you call it uh, as our website. So please uh, be sure to check us out over at the Basketball Life Group and check out that episode and watch me uh, rip on Jacob Moses's team uh, nonstop last <laughs> yeah. night. Yeah, that's always the best part of the life groups is ripping on Jacob Moses. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I rip on the Mets fans here uh, over there. It's the Knicks fans, so it, it's it, it was fun. It's been fun the last couple of weeks talking. A about Chicago our- fan ripping a New York fan, never. Not just not just a New York fan, a Mets fan and a Knicks <laughs> fan. You gotta, because I wasn't ripping on the Brooklyn Nets because you know my guy Kevin Durant's in that team. So a little bit of a crossover talk there. But today we are talking about former hyped up prospects who fell off the face of the earth and are finally back again. I have it listed as uh, starting pitchers, relief pitchers, and we finish off the hitters. So without further ado, let's get started. I have the Fangraphs page open. I'm not going to share my screen because I don't like the way Fangraphs looks. Uh, But I do have four pitches for you as we uh, talked about it yesterday in our little chat there uh, in private. (laughs) It it was a very uh, spirited discussion about who would be included and who would not be included. (laughs) But these are the four names that I gathered here. If I miss somebody, just... uh, 
give me a shout out and I'll add them to the list. The first one on the list, and I had to sort it by Sierra, who, by the way, that's the first where I wanted to start was, what is Sierra? And that stands for Skills Interactive Earn Run Average, or S-I-E-R-A. And it takes into account pitchers, batted profile, and strikeout rates. And this is according to Fantrax. This is the website that we use for our baseball life, uh, Fantasy Baseball League. Uh, batted pro- profile and strikeout rates. If a pitcher induces a high amount of ground balls or fly balls, their Sierra will likely be lower as it is a skill, hence the name Skill Interactive, that can help a pitcher carry a lower BABIP. Sierra also considers park factors and whether the pitcher is in a strong hitting or pitching environment. Sean, do you have anything to add about that uh, statistic there? No, not really. You, you got it covered. It's kind of a fancier version of FIP. So I, I've always liked it. I use it in conjunction. Uh, like I said, use everything in moderation and just kind of take a little bit from everything. Yeah, and uh, for those who don't know FIP, uh, field independent pitching, the way I like to describe that stat, which uh, we could talk about it uh, sparingly in this one, is uh, imagine it's a pitcher versus a hitter and nobody else. No one's behind them. There's no defense, no fielders to uh, grab uh, grab outs for you. It's either you strike out a guy, you walk the guy, you hit a guy, or you gave up a home run. And I'm pretty sure I'm missing one more component there. But yeah, basically, I mean, hence the name feel independent because the pitching is independent of the fielders that are behind it. But no, we're using Skills Interactive ERA, which actually does account for uh, balls in play and things of that nature. So at the very top of this list, of this four-man list, four-man rotation is Carlos Rodon, uh, who is uh, 5-0, and got the no-hitter earlier in the year. Great story. Former top five uh draft pick for the White Sox uh, was actually let, released by the White Sox came back to the White Sox and he's in pretty dominant it looks like all the plate discipline numbers are there the uh, stat cast numbers show a pretty uh, a really really good pitcher walks are uh, in control I mean what what's more to say about him what do you got to add there about Carlos Rodon's comeback right now I think we always believed that Carlos Rodon had the skills and the ability to be a pitcher like this, and the stuff. but it was and, and the stuff. It was always just a matter of health. This was a guy who, uh, in 2016, you know, in his first, I believe that was his first full season. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I'm trying to remember how much he threw in 2015. Okay, so 15, he had 23 starts. Okay. So, but in his second season, he was averaging nearly 95 miles an hour on the fastball, and then every year after that. It got lower and lower and lower yep. until in 2019 and 2020, it was barely averaging 91 and a half. And that just, it wasn't going to work. I mean, that soft tossing lefty, that's not his style. It never was. Mm-hmm. But uh, we fast forward to 2021. He's averaging 95 miles an hour on his forcing fastball. Uh, hitters just aren't hitting it. He's given up a combined five hits on fastballs alone. That's an 089 average against. Uh, he's everything we expected him to be, and he's still only 28 years old. So that was the one qualifier we did have, we should say, was these uh, post-hype prospects had to be under 30 and undergoing their actual kind of breakout breakout. Uh, so... So you say, that's what I'm going to leave it at that right now. So you say, uh, but no, when I looked at the pictures, I was looking for guys who were under 30 uh, per your request, but uh, we'll, 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 I'll, you'll know it when, when we deal with it later on in the show. Uh, so really it's, uh, but it's basically Rodan uh, finally uh, putting it together uh, in terms of consistency, in terms of health. 
I mean, this is a guy who had shoulder injury, uh, surgery and elbow surgery, yeah. all the surgeries on his uh, throwing arm. So it's a really good story. Come really good. You get a story. surgery. You get a surgery. You get a surgery. <laughs> Your throwing arm here. I, I just got impressions out here all day. So let's go. Yeah, uh, it's a 20 grade uh, Oprah impression. Right there. <laughs> Jacob Junis. Now this is a guy I never really liked. Um, I just think I don't. I just don't think much about him. He's a soft tossing uh, starting pitcher. Uh, but he was always regarded as someone to keep an eye on a, a decent prospect for the Kansas City Royals, which if you, I guess for the Royals, it's the pickings are always slim over there. But he's having a decent season so far. Uh, strikeouts are way up. Uh, whip is low. Sierra is working just fine. Uh, does enough to get pitchers to chase his pitches. And the only thing I do have a problem here, Sean, before I release it back to you. It's a hard hit rate, whether it's the fan grabs definition or the stack cast definition. It's pretty damn high. But uh, what do you have to add about Jacob Junis? Yeah, this is this is going to be our first disagreement of the day. Uh, I, I don't think he's breaking out at all. He's actually lost his spot in the rotation. Uh, he's been moved to the bullpen. And his last few starts before going to the bullpen were not terrible. I, I will give Jacob Junis that. He had uh, three consecutive quality starts. Uh, on the 15th, 20th, uh, 21st, and 27th. And then he was bumped from the rotation in favor of, Lacey. I believe it was Daniel Lynch, oh, uh, Daniel one Lynch. of the Royals' top prospects. Oh. And he's gone to the bullpen and his two bullpen outings, he's given up a combined <laughs> six runs. So, uh, yeah, it's ask, not really working for him. Why did he get the mode? I mean, I mean, because I'm looking at the, at the Fangraphs uh, starting pitching statistics only. And at, at four starting uh, at four game starts, four game starts, 27.9 strikeout rate, which has to be a career high for the guy. I don't, I never saw him a, as a strikeout pitcher, but it's way up there. Uh, ERA is low, 380, 117 whip. And again, this is only the starting pitching numbers, not the relief pitching numbers. So it, they look healthy, but why was he demoted? Uh, is it just I, I think because- he was always going to be one of their fringe guys. Mm. Um, and you just look at all the other options they have. You know, Danny Duffy's off to a great start. Um, Mike Miner's going to be there. He's the one under contract. And then some weird combination of Brad Keller, Daniel Lynch, Brady Singer. I mean, even right now, Chris Bubich is, and he was a a high prospect for the Royals, Uh, but even he's in the bullpen as well. So I think it's one of those, they just ran out of spots. And obviously they're going to go for the high upside guys like Daniel Lynch and Brady Singer compared to Jacob Junis. <laughs> well, I, I was never the big fan of Junis, but I just kind of found it weird that he uh, he finally looked like he was putting it together. And now, like you mentioned, he took yeah, the loss it, on it, it definitely is a weird decision to make because, like I said, he had three consecutive quality starts. Uh, yeah. He did start the season off in the bullpen, so this was possibly something that we could have seen coming. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, I guess – if there's an injury, then yeah, he could be relevant if he somehow can keep it together and being misused in the bullpen doesn't completely destroy him. And like you mentioned, he took the loss on Monday, blew the save on Wednesday. So I, the transition looks like it's not fully there for him. I don't think he has gotten used to the new role or is refusing to accept it. You know how it is with these pitchers that you change the role a little bit and it messes up with their mind. Just kind of like how we made fun of our oldest Chapman. If he's, if he's pitching in the seventh or eighth inning, that messes up his mind and he can only pitch in the ninth. And well, I I, the thing with Junis is he throws like nothing but fastballs. He throws a four seamer and a cutter. That's it. Yeah. And the, his next, he throws a change up 4% of the time. That's it. So it, it's a weird Lance Lenny, 
Bartolo Cologne-esque type profile that usually that doesn't work in the bullpen. Seriously, no breaking pitches whatsoever? He throws us, he's thrown three sliders, and then he has the cutter. I mean, if you want to classify a cutter as a breaking pitch, uh, uh, which no, nobody does. I mean, but I guess uh, it's four-seam cutter. That's it. I guess in his profile, it kind of does. But yeah, that, that's not going to cut it. No now, last year, which is weird, last year in 2020, his most thrown pitch was his slider. Mm. And he threw it 46% of the time. Um, and it was an okay pitch. It wasn't great. But uh, his cutter actually might just be a, a new classification of his slider. Now that I'm looking at some of the, the spin directions and spin rates on it, I think it just got reclassified. Okay, so I, I, you mentioned spin rate, and let, let's cut. Let's you know we're halfway through this list, and and I need to ask. There's been a lot of talk in the baseball group, and for those who don't know, we are uh, uh, listening to audio only. We are live on Facebook every weekend. It seems like, um, and we're part of the uh, Baseball Life Facebook group. We're nearing that seven thousand uh, membership threshold soon. Or at least we're <laughs> slowly but surely marching on. Uh, we've been getting as Sean, you're an admin now, so you, you saw that we've been getting a lot. A lot. We don't know where they're coming from, but we're getting a <laughs> lot of requests lately. But one of the big hot button issues this past week was the freaking uh, advanced analytics that cast whatever bullshit. <laughs> it's ruining baseball. Uh, spin rate so garbage, hot garbage. Why can't they just be a better and a hitter and call it and eat a hot dog? Or I don't know, you know. The, 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 <laughs> Why can't they just hit it the other way? Why can't they hit that 98 mile an hour fastball up on, at their hands why to right use, field on a rope? Why don't why? they use hot dogs instead of baseball bats? Or why do they have to use baseballs instead of Cracker Jacks? I don't know. But so, okay, so you mentioned spin rate and that was another one that was kind of controversial. Like what, what the hell is spin rate? What does that do? Sean, you seem to be have a good handle. No, Again, no pun intended. You have to have a good handle on, on on these stack has numbers, what does a good spin rate do for a pitcher? And why is it important? It, it usually, uh, when you're looking at breaking pitches, a lot of the time, and I am not the foremost expert. I try and learn a little bit about it every day, yeah. but you're, you're talking about tighter spin, you know, on a slider, instead of having some loopy pitch that kind of slowly breaks in, which sometimes is what you need. If you catch somebody sleeping or, but really what a lot of pitchers want is that hard late break and as a Mets fan and it's one of the preeminent sliders in baseball right now is Jacob Grom slider and it has been for several years now and it it actually's thrown so hard and with such harsh movement that anytime you talk to, you listen to interviews of other players um I remember seeing an interview with a couple of Braves players Freddie Freeman and Nick Markakis and they kept calling us a, a cutter because it, it's so hard and it doesn't have as much vertical depth, but it still gets that late break, both horizontal and vertical. And that's due to a higher spin rate, which DeGrom throws what they call a bullet slider. And that was an old pitching uh, Mets pitching. Everyone who came up in the Mets system from 2015 to 2017 through this bullet slider. It's why uh, if you look at slider velos, the fastest sliders in baseball uh, like six, out of the top 10, like six of them are Mets or former Mets. So it's definitely a philosophy. It's a very high spin rate slider that really almost more looks more like a cutter. Yeah. So kind of uh, kind of like Jacob Junis. Jacob Junis. Yeah. I was which mention, which looking at it, uh, he good. throws it a little bit harder than his slider from the past. Yeah. Um, it gets a little less total movement, but it seems to be just as effective. So that, that was probably a decision. So maybe his cutter is more like a, 
uh, a breaking ball. We'll give him that. So that's interesting. So that's going to be something else we got to take into effect. It's like some of these cutters might start looking a little bit like a slider, and it's that uh, ambiguity that uh, makes it hard to classify, but maybe that's what pitchers need to fool some of these hitters who are going yeah. for all or nothing nowadays, which is another complaint about, you know, like you just mentioned it. Why can't they get hit the other way? Why has everything got to be a home run? And you know what's my solution to it, to it all is, Sean? Okay, I, I, I'm watching a video of it now, and he just backfooted it to Rowdy Telez. It, it it looks a lot like a slider. <laughs> well, well, as I was saying, uh, my solution to all to all, all of this is bigger ballparks. Just do it already. Like bigger ballparks will solve every bigger problem. Bigger ballparks are boring. I mean, look at Texas. You, and well, listen, man, they can't you're gonna... hit their way out of a boat. Then stop bitching. Joey about Gallo not, not... <laughs> can't hit a home run anymore. That's the only reason we draft Joey Gallo. For the for the power, well, yeah, he, not, he has to hit doubles. But yeah, I mean, the, stop your bitching. Then either you want bigger ballparks and get the uh, athleticism and the great fielding plays and uh, limit the number of surgeries that pitchers go through, like a Carlos Rodon, and and you know you cut down on the Tommy John's surgery, or you keep it the same way with the big the chick sticking in the long ball and you know the high amount of uh, you know home runs that are being hit. Uh, but, you know, that means more shifting and more no-hitters, which is another one that people are complaining about. There's too many no-hitters now. Like, they, no one's happy. No one's happy. There's too many home runs. There's too many no-hitters. There's too much of everything. Meanwhile, I'm just enjoying baseball because it's the greatest game on the planet. So, either you I mean, I, I was getting don't. severe, uh, like, Mike Fires energy during Wade Miley's no-hitter. I was yeah. like, this is a pitcher that shouldn't be throwing a no-hitter, and yep. he's throwing a no-hitter. I get it. I don't like Wade Miley either, but you know, <laughs> you know, it's gonna it's gonna uh, balance itself out, right, Sean? It usually that's how it goes. Um, eventually, there, we're gonna go a season without no hitters, and then people are gonna, oh man, remember the glory days in twenty twenty one, the great pitching days, <laughs> the great pitching days when Wade Miley can go out there and throw a no hitter. Now the best pitchers are can can do shit. I mean, they're getting uh, new arms, uh, new prosthetic uh, arms uh, printed by 3D printers. And it's not even natural anymore. It's like synthetic arms now, uh, you know? So there's it, always going to be a complaint about it. These science fiction nerds are taking over this game. <laughs> oh, okay. So Dylan sees is another guy. <laughs> Dylan sees is the youngest guy here at the age of 25, according to fan graphs. Uh, he's kind of seen a, a, a rejuvenation of sorts. Uh, strikeouts are way up there at 32% strikeout rate. Uh, the walks, uh, there's still a little bit of problem. That's still, he still has a little bit of command issues, but the stuff is there. He's inducing more swings outside the strike zone. Um, the Let's see, what am I seeing here? The hard hit rates are low, whether using fan graphs definition or stat cast definitions. So yeah, it, it looks like he's doing a lot better this year than last year. But yeah, again, the, the walks are a, a concern. He still has to work on that. Uh, what else do you have to say about Dylan C's over there? I've always liked Dylan Cease. I've always liked the stuff. He is kind of like, to me, a, a Mitch Keller, which if you look at baseball savants, player similarity, which they base pitcher or they compare pitchers based on their velo and movement. Him and Mitch Keller are neck and neck. I loved both of them coming up through the minors. They had these great fast, great high spin rate fastballs, and they had one great breaking pitch, one good breaking pitch, and they, and they could throw a changeup you know, which is good. I, I like pitchers that they develop in the minors and they have a full repertoire. They're not just coming up with two pitches looking at you, Tyler Glass, now and Dilson, Nelson Lamette. But I've always liked that. But then they come up and both Keller and Cease had these control issues, which had plagued them in the minors, but they had seemed to get a little bit better with it. And um, 
it reared its ugly head with Cease and Keller. They've both struggled with command. I mean, he only had a four ERA last year, but that was um, lucky to say the least. His expected ERA was nearly seven, Mm -hmm. and that was because of a dramatic drop in strikeout percentage, which was only 17%, and you said it's 32 this year, and his walk rate was 13%, and his walk rate this year is still high. It's 12%, So, but the quality of contact, better. He's missing more bats. I, it's, I am tentatively optimistic about Dylan Cease. It's just I am so scared to get my hopes up about him. I, I, I've, I, my hopes have been always so high, and to uh, – it's, it's frustrating. I mean, it's possible that he is turning a corner. I mean, he's, he has the pedigree for it. But he, the other thing, as White Sox fans have to be concerned about, is that even when he was with the Cubs uh, – a lot of the so-called experts, the prospect experts, were saying that if if he doesn't, uh, it, this stuff might not be good enough to be a, a starting pitcher, but it will play as a relief pitcher, and that's a red flag for me. Uh, but you know, you got to try him out at starting pitcher before you commit to him at reliever. So I, I think that's part of the issue. But I, I listen, man. It's two White Sox players on this list, Rodon and Cease. There's the reason why their pitching staff is keeping that team above water, despite the fact that they keep losing all the Cuban players to uh, <laughs> long-term injuries. So, um, so yeah. But as long as you temper expectations, and Dylan Cease at the back end of your rotation as a waiver wire fodder, you could do a lot worse. I yeah, think. You, uh, there was a lot of leagues where it was really funny. He was getting almost universally dropped. <laughs> and then he came out on uh, – Right at the end of April, I think he had that start against Detroit. And he went like because he went three and a third with uh, three walks and five strikeouts on April 23rd against the Rangers, which everyone was like, that's going to be a good start for him because it's Texas. They've been terrible this year. And he can't even go five innings. He didn't go five innings in any of his first four starts. And (laughs) that had him being universally dropped. I mean, people were tired of it. And the very next week, he goes out there again, albeit against Detroit, um, and goes seven innings, shutout ball, only allowed three hits, nine strikeouts. And everyone's like, wait, do I need to go add him back? I mean, it's Detroit, (laughs) but do I need to add him back? And a lot of people hesitated. A lot of people hesitated. But Mm -hmm. what does he do? He goes out there against the Cincinnati Reds, one of the best offenses in baseball. Six innings, one hit, 11 strikeouts, three walks. But, hey, if you're only going to allow one hit, I'll take three walks. And so uh, now everyone's rushing back onto the Dylan Cease train. Uh, Shout out to Fantasy Central 1 on Twitter. Um, He has been a Dylan Cease truther. And it was so funny because he was getting so disheartened. And he's like, I'm I'm just about ready to give up. He said, I won't give up, but I'm I'm ready to. And – Dylan Cease is back? Question mark. I mean, you said it right there that like people are saying, "Oh, but who cares? It's, it's, it's against the Tigers, <laughs> dude." He's in the AL Central. He's gonna be facing the Tigers and the Indians and and the Royals when you know when they're on the downside of their uh, of their hot streaks. As uh, that's gonna be a streaky team all year long. Uh, that uh, he is gonna benefit from a soft schedule, so to speak, and just padding the stats against uh, those anemic offenses. So yeah, I. I would temper expectations, but still, you 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 pick him up because of the upside. You know, just keep him on your bench if you can, and hopefully, this is the year he puts it together. It looks like he is, but uh, I mean, I would just temper expectations. All right, last guy on the list, the Taiwan Walker. I mean, this is the reason why we're talking about these prospects is because uh, it was brought up. The Taiwan Walker is uh, 
uh, having a decent season with the Mets. Uh, here are the fan graph numbers. Uh, walk rate is still a little bit high. Um, it, it's not as high as Dylan sees, but at 3.97, it, it's pretty high for a starting pitcher. He has the highest Sierra of any of these pitchers. He's the only one over four at 4.21 to be exact. Uh, it's a healthy ERA though, healthy whip. My, the thing I don't like is that he, unlike these other guys that we just mentioned, he does not induce a lot of uh, swings outside the strike zone. Um, contact rate is also highest among all the pitchers that we've mentioned today. Fastball looks like it's gaining some velocity little by little. Uh, exit velocity is down again like last year, but the hard hit rates, um, for again, uh, according to StatCast, is still above 40%, so that's a bit, bit of a concern. Uh, what else can you say about Taiwan Walker there? You mentioned the walk rate, and I, I will classify it as this: as he had, yay, Jacob Degrom pitching tomorrow. Finally, um, yeah. So uh, he had a six walk outing, and of his other games combined, I think he has seven walks. So I, I think this is just a, a small sample size in terms of the walks. Uh, he's never been a high walk guy. Uh, he's never had a walk percentage over nine percent. So. There's that too. Um, the most encouraging thing for me, and while it's still not even a major league average in terms of whiff rate, it's up from last year. And he was a guy last year that I was telling a lot of people, no, he's this is he's fool's gold right now because he was what he had like a two ERA, uh, but just all the batted ball metrics were not good. Uh, he wasn't whiffing, missing bats. The fastball velo really wasn't improving, which you like to see, you know, coming off of injury, at least like with how much time he had to improve velo. But now this year, I believe it's an all time high fastball average forcing uh, velo at 94 and a half. Um, it's the highest one since 2015. Hmm. So that fastball being up, I allows, I think allows him to really, get more out of his other pitches, uh, his slider, his splitter, uh, which he really started throwing more last year. Um, and he actually gets a pretty good whiff rate on all of his pitches. None of them are elite in terms of missing bats, mm -hmm. but they're all pretty good. And all of his pitches except the sinker have a batting average against of 138 or less. The sinker is at 381, uh, so maybe he should just – tank that pitch don't throw it but uh all of them are performing pretty well um are expected to perform pretty well it's just he's more of the sum of his parts mm -hmm. right now and i think he might be overperforming a little bit but yeah. hey i mean it's he he looks locked in right now uh, the last two starts have gone pretty well and he's striking out more guys than I really anticipated. So it'll be interesting to see how that holds up because his 25.7 strikeout percentage would also be a career high. Yeah. Way, way more than any, any, at any point. Well, I guess in 2019, but I, I don't think he pitched enough to really warrant a mention there. Uh, you mentioned he's never had a, a double digit walk percentage in 2014. He posted 11.3 walk percentage. Albeit oh, I, I'm looking at stack ass. I apologize. Uh, well, I was albeit, looking at since 2015. Okay, so albeit only eight games, I mean, still not oh, okay. enough sample size, but still, I mean, he was just starting out, and uh, uh, yeah, but uh, also the other thing that we'd like to mention, uh, that I wanted to mention, sorry, was uh, similar strikeout per walk ratio, uh, barely hovering at 2.5, oh, it was over 2.5 last year, it's below 2.5 this year, so that's a concern, um, at least for me it is, so, but, you know, 
listen, man, this is the reason why we we're, we did this show is because of Taiwan Walker. This guy, when he was with the Mariners, bonafide can't miss prospect. Yep. And just like Carlos Rodon, I mean, it got him a lot earlier than it did Rodon, but injuries just took a hold. Inconsistency, inconsistency took a hold. Uh, just like he couldn't put it together, and it looks like he's finally getting it slowly but surely. So, again, temporary expectations there. Uh, relief pitchers. Okay, so this is a going to be a hot topic issue, hot button topic <laughs> issue. Let's start out with uh, at eleven games, eleven innings. Miguel Castro of the New York Mets. The Mets uh, getting another themselves another um, uh, relief pitcher that's uh, worth talking about. And this is why I wanted to mention Miguel Castro. It seems like every single time, every other episode, or, or once every three episodes. Someone from that Jose Reyes and Troy Tulowitzki con- uh, trade. Ah, yes. <laughs> it always comes back. And here's Miguel Castro. I did not realize that he was then shipped off to the Mets later on. Yeah, uh, I, I totally forgot that he was uh, originally with uh, the Blue Jays. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and when we're not talking about Miguel Castro, we're talking about Jeff Hoffman, who was also part of that deal that sent Tulowitzki to Toronto and Jose Reyes to the Rockies. And then he gets traded to the Rockies along with, uh, I forgot who I thought. Okay. So it wasn't that trade. Okay. But still uh, from the Rockies, he goes to the Orioles and now he's with the Mets. So it's always interesting how it always comes around to that trade. Uh, So Miguel Castro, uh, not a lot of holes uh, has one blown save, but this is why we, I had to put him on the list. 40.4 strikeout rate, which equals to a 15.5 strikeout per nine. Uh, the whip is a little high for a relief pitcher, but still healthy enough at 1.27. ERA is still a little bit too high, but healthy enough for a relief pitcher at 3.27. Uh, 98 mile per hour sinker there, Sean. Exit velocity of 85.4. Uh, where's the hard hit rates? Uh, there it is. Okay, so the problem here is the hard hit rate is 41.7, uh, according to StatCast. That's a concern, but everything else about him is... Uh, it's just it's basically him throwing it down the middle and only giving up 58.4 contact rate. And that's just any contact rate, basically daring hitters to try to catch up with his 98 mile per hour sinker. Uh, how do you see it on your end over there? It this was a trade that in 2020, a lot of people, um, including Mets fans, were just like, <coughs> oh, no, this is Brody trading prospects for some random uh they were pissed off about the Marisnik trade. They were pissed off about this trade. But th- this was a guy who, when he first started pitching for the Mets, like, one, we knew he had great stuff. I mean, he was had one of the highest average fastball velos in all of baseball. Uh, he had one of the highest whiff rate sliders in all of baseball. But what I didn't see coming was the evolution of his changeup. And it's actually now he's throwing his changeup more than he's throwing his slider, which I think is a really interesting development because of how great his slider actually was. And I believe that the reason he does that is right now the um, sinker and changeup. Gosh, I, I brain fart there. The sinker and changeup are playing really well off of each other going in roughly the same direction, but the changeup is getting a lot of both vertical and horizontal movement, so it's moving even more than a sinker does. So not only are you getting the change of pace, but you're getting a whole lot more break on it, and he hasn't allowed a hit on his change. Or Okay, he's allowed five hits on his changeup. Hasn't allowed a hit on his slider yet. The slider's still a, a wipeout pitch, yeah. and like you said, he his sinker... They're batting 500 against it, but it, it's one of those. It's right down the middle. 
and they're still whiffing on it like 35% of the time, even when he does throw it. So sinker command could improve a little bit, but I do believe that the evolution of that changeup and how much he really believes in that pitch now, he's thrown it more this year than he's ever thrown it before in his career. Um, I think that's added a whole new depth to Miguel Castro. And if you are in a saves plus holds league, he's going to get a lot of holds. He hasn't got a lot of holds yet because the Mets haven't scored any runs. Um, But once they start scoring runs, once they have leads, he has been the consistent seventh, eighth inning guy. It's been Castro, May, Diaz. I mean, they, they have gone through that process several times. It's just they either don't have a lead to get the hold. So, you know, hard to get holds when your team doesn't have a lead. Uh, moving on to the next guy on the list, it is Michael Kopech. I know you didn't want to mention him, but it, it's hard to ignore at this point. Uh, oh, he's like one of the best pitchers in baseball. <laughs> Nobody yeah, talks about. It's Well, it's because he's m- mostly coming out of the bullpen, but he already had two game starts, uh, eight combined innings there. Uh, I guess the White Sox are still kind of taking their sweet time with him. Uh, but in, in uh, part-time duty, uh, f- kind of being like the de facto long man, long relief pitcher, 40.8 strikeout rate, which is the highest of the five pitches we're going to mention today. Walks uh, a little bit too high, but we'll forgive him because he comes with, uh, where'd it go, 96, 97 mile per hour fastball, 84 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, he's the anti-Nick Magical, where Nick Magical still hasn't have a barrel to his name. <laughs> Neither does Michael po- Kopech. He has not given up a single barrel so far this season. 22.7 hard hit rate, according to StatCast. Uh, he induces swings outside the strike zone. Uh, very low contact rates, no matter where he's throwing. Uh, 18.3 swinging strike percentage. I mean, there's a lot to love here. Uh, the only thing you don't like is that he's not going to get saves. He doesn't get any holds because, again, he's just a mop-up guy, it seems like. Um, go ahead. He's kind of been used almost in that TJ Antone role where when they see an opportunity – to get they're not putting him in for just an inning or two uh but they'll put him in either with the lead or when they're behind but anytime he's pitched he's gotten two or three innings and that's a good thing because even if you are getting him and you're not getting any of these holds you might sneak into a couple of saves just like if he goes in and he ends the game the white Sox could win by 10 runs but if he pitches the last three innings he gets a save you know, got to love those good old fashioned random rules like that. But there is an interesting article from MLB um, from David Adler, and this was back on April 27th. So the data is a little old, but the lowest expected ERA minimum of 50 batters faced uh, going into April 27th was Corbin Burns at 1.15, DeGrom at 1.33. Michael Kopech at 1.38. That's mm. that's how dominant Kopech's been. And the, the strikeout rate was pushing like 40, 50%, uh, 47 at the time of this writing. I believe now it is at 43.5%. That's just insane. Um, it's His ERA is 1.33, and his expected ERA has gone down since that article. His expected ERA is now 1.31 which is in the 99th percentile. So that I think there's probably only one or two people ahead of him. But uh, blazing fastball that we always knew he had. Uh, and the slider is just a terrific wipeout pitch. Uh, as he develops into more of a starter, which I think he's going to be by, that by the end of the year, he's going to be you know taking the ball every fifth day. I'd like to see more of the changeup. And I think that is going to be his next evolution in development cycle is getting that change up to where he can throw it 
and really use it to neutralize left-handed hitting. Uh, and the, despite the fact that he isn't a closer or has a rotation uh, spot with the White Sox, again, this is the third White Sox player we're mentioning today, but so that's pretty cool. Um, he's rostered in 76% of CBS sports leagues. So that to tell you all you need to know about how fantasy leaguers, despite the, uh, the defined role for him, believe so much in Michael Kopech to uh, kind of be like a second half play here. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Moving on to Dwayne Underwood. So that is it. We go from one of the most exciting uh, prospects to the eye uh, roll begins. <laughs> low, lower level uh, prospect when he was with the Cubs. Uh, you know, people were asking, why don't the Cubs have a starting pitcher coming out of the farm <laughs> system? Well, he was one guy, maybe that could have been something. <laughs> and now he's a middle reliever for the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Who so he wasn't anything. <laughs> no, I mean, he was top ten for a long time, but you know, top ten with the Cubs is still. Um, uh, at during the uh, last years of Theo Epstein's uh, oh. <laughs> general manager career, it wasn't or not a uh, president career. Sorry, he wasn't the there you he was go. A president. Anyway, uh, Underwood Jr. Thirty uh, percent <laughs> strikeout rate. You know, we just talked about two guys at the top with forty percent plus strikeout rates. Thirty uh, percent for Underwood, so it's a big drop off there. Uh, but uh, let's see, he does a really good job of controlling his walks, unlike the t- first two guys we mentioned and Castro and Kopech. Uh, whip is way too high though. Uh, so is the bad bit ERA is under four. So that's something to brag about, but he does have a 2.92 Sierra. So a little bit of a, a, a long-term play here. Maybe he, his numbers will start improve, improving uh, the more he pitches. Maybe, I don't know. We'll see Uh 13.7 swinging strike rate. That's pretty healthy. He does get hit hard 30, 41.9 hard hit rate. Uh, according to fan graphs, uh, fastball isn't it is probably has the lowest uh, mile per hour velocity of these five pitchers. Um, so yeah, uh, when I saw first saw this, uh, when I was talking to you, Sean, these numbers looked a lot better. And what a difference a day makes here! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, lo- I'm looking at it now, and he's always had a very good changeup, and he still has it this year. And once again, we're seeing a pitcher, uh, he's realized that over his career, his fastball is just bad. I mean, that's putting it very nicely. Um, it, it, it's bad. It's a, it's a terrible pitch and the changeups his best pitch. So what is he doing in 2021? He's throwing the changeup the most out of any other pitch. He's throwing it over 33 or 32% of the time. Um, seeing a relief pitcher throw a changeup primarily, I'm just getting the just flashbacks to Cesar Valdez over in Baltimore who has like eight or nine saves and it pisses me off because he throws the ball like two miles an hour and he doesn't really strike them. He has more strikeouts this year than normal. He just, he throws changeups like 60% of the time. (laughs) And I'm like, at that point, it's not even a changeup. It's just a really bad fastball. Right. And it's uh, maybe Dwayne Underwood has a Cesar Valdez type career, but this was one of the guys when you mentioned his name, I just kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, well, I don't want to talk about him. It's well, he's bad. I wanted, I wanted to have a, a nice list of starting pitchers. I mean, I'm so I, I, I'm you know looking for any prospects at this point. Uh, I know that I had to flip the Fangraphs page a couple of times to find him. Uh, and again, it, it looked pretty healthy the other day when I was looking at it. And then he must have uh, something bad must have happened because now the numbers don't look good. But you know, I'm looking at the baseball savant page. I mean, the strikeout rate is pretty healthy. The whiff rate is pretty healthy. Everything else is not healthy. Again, he gets rocked a lot, but it might have to do with the fact that uh, he's just throwing a really crappy changeup, like you mentioned. No, it, uh, it's a good changeup. It's a good changeup. Crappy uh, fastball. Uh, crappy fastball, but good changeup kind so of thing here. 
He no. has a 533 slugging against on his four seam <laughs> this year. That's actually a career best. Yeah. That's in 2018, uh, batters slugged 714. In 2019, they slugged 800. In 2020, they slugged 711. <laughs> So that fastball is just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Some positives here. He does have a healthy strikeout per walk rate. Again, he does do a good job of controlling the walks. It's at 420. That was last (laughs) month. Uh, And then he's only given up 0.56 on the home run per nine. So he doesn't give up home runs, which allows him to have a healthy uh, field independent pitching. So it's not the greatest, but it's just the... it's just nice to see some improvement. I mean, this guy was, it looked like his career was over because uh, the Cubs couldn't figure out a, a spot for him in the rotation. Cause why would you, but it looks like he might've found a little bit of a niche there uh, on the bullpen for a really bad team in the pirates. So moving on to another guy, Robert Stevenson, who, man, this guy was supposed to be something. I, I remember him. I re- he was top prospect for, uh, he was like, well, what a top 10 pick in the, in that one of the early t- 2000 drafts. I don't remember, but I just know that he was definitely top five, top 10 for the Cincinnati Reds. First pick overall 20. I'm sorry. Number one, first round 27 pick overall for the Reds. 27th. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, And his stock just kept falling and falling. Does have a 60 grade fastball according to uh, fan graphs. And right now he's throwing it at 96 miles per hour um, on average, a decent swinging strike percentage at 14.2 has the highest outside the strike zone swing percentage of these five pitchers here. Well, when you're pitching in Colorado, you better stay out of the zone. <laughs> uh, which he doesn't. Uh, where, where's the zone? Oh, right? yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> interestingly, interestingly enough, Sean, he does of these five pitchers we're going to talk about here. He does have the highest zone percentage at forty five point nine percent. Interesting. The only guy, uh, second is Dwayne Underwood Jr. But I think we know why Dwayne Underwood <laughs> just strikes there. Uh, and Miguel Castro is at the low end with uh, 38.9. And I don't know if that's a command issue, like you mentioned, or if that's just uh, him trying to uh, paint the corners and getting guys to no, actually, no, because his swing uh, outside his own swinging strike from Miguel Castro is below 30%. So he doesn't get guys to chase. But I think we talked about him already how his fastball is just so amazing. And anyway, <laughs> all the reasons you mentioned as well. So Robert Stevenson, right? So, uh, yeah. The strikeout rate is at 24.6, which is uh, not as high as the other guys we just mentioned. Uh, If we thought Underwood did a good job uh, of controlling his walks, Stevenson has a three and a half walk percentage is the lowest on this list. Which is interesting because when Stevenson was coming up, he was much like Dylan Cease. The Mm -hmm. walk rates were always 11, 12, 13 percent. That was what held him back as a starter. And now as a reliever, he has like this minuscule walk rate. It's uh, quite interesting. Yeah, uh, 1.13 whip. So if you're in a roto league or if you're in a categories league and you're desperate to find a low whip, I think this might be your guy. 270 ERA, same issue. Uh, if you're in those ERA leagues, go ahead and take a chance on him, maybe on the road and not at home. Uh, what else is up? What else did I notice about him? Uh, no, I mean, the uh, issues are that he gets rocked. He has the highest hard hit rate of anybody here at 48.8%, according to StatCast. Highest barrel rate, according to StatCast. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of good yeah. and there's a lot of bad. What's the final verdict from you on Robert Stevenson? When you mentioned him, I was like, okay, maybe. And then I started to dig deeper into it. Uh, he, I think the thing that makes him stick out this year is so far as a 2.7 ERA as a Colorado reliever. 
And we've seen some hiccups from Daniel Bard. And so it's pretty easy to say, hey, maybe Robert Stevenson would be their closer. Uh, But it just looks like it's one of those smooth sailing couple of weeks for him. Uh, Two seven ERA, but the expected ERA is over five. Mm. Um, Batting average against him right now is 241. Expected batting average is 287. Uh, they're, They're slugging only 426 against him. Expected slugging is over 570. So, yeah, I'm once again, this is a guy we're going to have to disagree on. I don't think he's breaking out. I just think it's, I mean, yeah, it's fun to talk about a former top prospect who's has found a job. But, um, yeah, I'm not buying into Robert Stevenson just yet. Not, I'm not all in on Robert Stevenson. I just, it's again, it's for the exercise itself that this was a former prospect. I mean, he still has the prospect report from, when he was uh, actually no, oh, this twenty seventeen report when he was the seventh ranked uh, prospect for I'm assuming the Reds at that time. I I, I can't remember who exactly. Uh, I just wanted to see here uh, home and away splits. I know it's a small sample size, but interestingly enough, he's doing a much better job at home than he is on the road. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. Uh, Two fifty four Woba versus uh, three fifty seven on the road. So strange. So uh, if he's and the at fact home... that he's mainly a, a fastball slider guy, uh, I and I look at his splits just this year, he's doing better versus right-handed pitching or right-handed hitters. So I worry about you know any sort of solidified role if you can't get both sides out yeah, consistently. So, so yeah, just the name to keep an eye on, and it's it's simply because he he was a former top ten prospect for the Reds. Uh, that's the only reason I brought him up there. And finally, speaking of top ten uh, for the Royals, a long time ago it seems like. Is the same age as uh, Taiwan Walker, I believe. Late 20s guy, whatever. It's Kyle Zimmer. First round pick, fifth overall, Sean. At one point with the Royals with cheese. Uh, and his <laughs> stock just went on a precipitous drop. Uh, Jesus. I mean, he was supposed to be something. And I just never saw it in him. Uh, it seemed like every time I took a look at his profile page, it was always nothing to write home about. It was nothing impressive. And all of a sudden this year, he's put in the... Um, on the uh, bullpen and here's the numbers first of all he has the highest win probability added uh of anybody on this list <laughs> that's very random <laughs> i have no I, he does have a save yeah he, ha- he does have two holds again if you're in a holds league you might want to consider it this is the high this is the highest number of holds of anybody on this list uh the walks are pretty healthy the strikeouts are pretty low he you, this is the lowest strikeout guy of anybody on this five-person list. Whip is at 0.90. Again, if you're in those rate stat leagues, go ahead and uh, take a chance if you so choose. But he does have the highest uh, FIP, XFIP, and Sierra of anybody on this list. Outside the strike zone swing percentage, uh, 26.7, which is even lower than Miguel Castro. He doesn't have he doesn't get guys to chase uh, according to the plate discipline number there. Highest contact rates of anybody, which equals to uh, actually it's not that bad a thirty seven point five percent hard hit rate against according to Statcast. So not as bad, but still uh, there's not there's no wow factor. Just the guy who goes out there and is able to escape uh, death, I guess, for a lack of a better term. Uh, Sean, I know you don't like this. Uh, well, all, I'm but- actually now that I'm looking at it, I'm I'm slightly more intrigued. Uh, last year in 2020, he pitched 23 innings mm-hmm. to a 1.57 ERA, and he did get a lot of chases. He's not getting chase right, or you know, a lot of chase this year. Um, this year, the batted ball metrics are better but worse. It, it, in a, in a weird way, he's giving up more hard contact. He's 
uh, went from being well above average in avoiding barrels as well as avoiding hard contact. But this year that's gone down, but his ground ball percentage has spiked. I mean, it was 52% last year. It's 57 this year or 56 and a half, which is up from 40% in 2019. Um, he doesn't throw sinkers, four seam slider curve. It's still got that starters repertoire. Um, this is a weird guy. This it's interesting. <laughs> he gets whiffs on the slider and the curveball. They don't hit the fastball well. It's got a negative launch angle against. So that's why he's getting a lot of the ground balls from it. It's that's. I want to dig more into this. His expected ERA is lower than his actual ERA. He's got a, a 2.89 expected ERA. Uh, so even though they are hitting the ball a little bit harder against him this year and they're not whiffing as much and they're not chasing as much so far, um, he's getting them to hit it into the dirt. And they got a solid defensive infield over there in uh, I'm gonna say Cleveland in Kansas City. <laughs> so he's taking advantage of it. Um, I want to watch, I want to watch more film of him. And then okay. maybe we can revisit Kyle Zimmer later this year. Well, he, currently he's hurt. He's on a 10 ADL. He did throw a oh. bullpen session yesterday. Uh, he has a back problem. So <laughs> hoping that he comes back. He did make uh, Paul Spore's uh, uh, 10 watch list guys back in uh, late April. And this is what Paul Spore of Fangrass had to say about him. Uh, first of all, I didn't know that he was Bradley Zimmer's uh, brother. I didn't know they were related. Yes, I, I, I had a feeling about that. <laughs> okay. Well, are they related to Don Zimmer? Never mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, or Ryan Zimmerman. Oh, or no. Heidi Zimmerman. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, Paul Sporer finally found some health and looks like a solid middle relief option for the Royals. Dating back to his 23 innings last year, he now has a 33.7 innings of a 2.41 ERA and a 1.01 <laughs> whip. That's my Paul Sporer impersonation. It's not very good. <laughs> Okay, with a win, eighty with a, grade, eighty grade. Oh, thank you. Okay, well, <laughs> let me try to pinch my nose, maybe because he does kind of have nasal. With a twenty-seven point strikeout rate, he seems deep in the line for saves, but he could sneak some wins and holds if your league counts those, and just be a racial stabilizer with some strikeouts. So, that, like I mentioned, if you're in a, a racial, I, I know you said ratio, but it sounded like you said a racial stabilizer. Yeah, uh, Kyle Zimmer for uh, racial equality and peace, right? <laughs> Kyle Zimmer is going to solve those race relations. <laughs> he's, he's here to save America from uh, racial turmoil, uh, black, white, and all ethnic backgrounds uh. as well. Why not? Uh, so there it is. There's your bullpen report uh, from guys who used to be like, I mean, Paul Spore mentioned in his article, uh, uh, once elite prospects, I guess, even if they were elite prospects for their own teams. I mean, some of these guys are kind of questionable because I did reach for some of them, but these were all at one point uh, decently rated prospects at the very least. And uh, now they seem to have found a new role or a new chance in life uh, to continue to survive in major league baseball, which is a hard thing to do. Let's move on to the hitters. Uh, and this is where we're going to stop at the top of the list is Byron Buxton. <laughs> I, I think what was the thing I told you yesterday, uh, 12 times the charm with Byron Buxton. And he's gone. Uh, cue the uh, South park. Uh, and it's gone. <laughs> Who's that? What's that supposed to be? That, that's a, when they go to the bank and they're like, uh, I, I'd like to withdraw my money. And they're like, man, it's gone. Uh, I thought it was always more like uh, the banker, right? You're talking about the banker. Yeah, yeah, saying, the banker. Yeah. Okay. Looks like you have $333 in here and it's, it's gone. gone. That That's Byron Buxton. I mean, that is that is Byron Buxton in a nutshell. Yeah. It's like, oh, you have some money and it's gone. And, you know, I would have, I told you this yesterday too. 
Uh, even before news of the, the new injury being putting him out weeks, as Rocco Baldelli said, um, I would have been selling him like crazy. Uh, this is I, I feel like he's never going to get higher than that. I would have been sell, sell, sell. Um, but, of course, he had to go get injured and avoid um, throw a wrench in my plans there. Wrench on his back. Yeah. <laughs> well, and his hip, actually. He, he Obviously, he can't dodge a wrench then. <laughs> So a lot of hip problems in the AL Central. We had uh, Luis Robert with the uh, with the hip injury, and now it looks like uh, Byron Buxton with a strained hip. It's not as serious as Robert. It looks like, but still, uh, they, they also, run they run too fast. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. There's a yeah. Buxton does run uh, very fast. Uh, Luis Arias also for that team is hurt. Alex Karoloff is also hurt. So maybe that's the reason why the White Sox uh, shouldn't worry too much because everybody's hurt in that uh, division. But Going back to Buxton, let's see. Uh, okay, so the strikeouts are still bad. I, I, I should say the... I mean, 23.5%. That's like league average. Sorry, I, I wanted to correct myself. Uh, the walk per strikeout rate is bad uh, at yeah. 0.17. But hey, listen, man, we've seen guys succeed with that uh, low, very ridiculously low walk per strikeout. Tim Anderson is a guy that kind of pops in my head when I think about a really bad strike uh, walk per strikeout ratio for hitters. And uh, he's just producing. He has a ridiculous 402 ISO power. It's just crazy. I mean, he was April player of the month over Mike Trout. And yeah. at first I was like, no, it should have been Trout. Like Trout was just like insane. And then I went back and looked and Buxton deserved it. And um, of course, I, I worry about the walk rate and the whiff rate and the chase rate are all still pretty bad and are all reasons why I would at least try and sell them um, yeah. on top of prior injury concerns. But we've always said, and Byron Buxton's still only 27 years old, which is mind blowing to me. But we always expected Buxton to have like one year yeah. where he is like nine ward player, you know, gold Glover. And he puts up like a 180 WRC plus. And right now he's at a 228. So obviously I don't think he was going to bat 370 all year. Uh, that would have been a little aggressive to estimate, but he was on pace a uh, two and a half war player over his first hundred plate appearances mm-hmm. at another 500. That's a, like a 10 war player. Um, and I, I thought that this was going to be that year. I still would have tried to sell him because I don't trust him to stay healthy. And um, yeah, he can't stay healthy. Uh, a couple more positives here. Uh, hard hit rate is uh, according to StatCast is close to 60% which is insane. Exit velocity is healthy. He leads this list of eight play, uh, seven players, I should say, uh, with a barrel rate of 21.7%. Uh, the negatives, uh, he's really free-swinging, impatient, uh, hacks at anything, but that's more of a credit to uh, his crazy bat speed, I'm assuming. Yeah. Lacks uh, contact rate, uh, has the highest swinging strike percentage of anybody. So all the reasons you kind of were alluding to as to why you want to sell high, but he, you know, he's being productive. You are benefiting from it. So, um, and, and this is something that we've seen from Buxton really over the last three years, since 2019, he's started hitting the ball more, barreling the ball more, and it's just gotten greater and greater until this year. And then he deals with the same issues that have held him back in the past, which are health related on, on the opposite spe- end of the spectrum. It's a guy like Nico Horner, who is patient, uh, does not swing a lot of bad pitches, has a very high contact rate compared to Buxton. Uh, and is still is able to hit the ball hard so far. I mean, albeit he's a, a recent addition here. He's only played in 11 games. 
uh, so far this season. But and then he's got hurt, and that's and now he's gone, which is why I didn't want to bring him up, buddy. Let's let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, uh, the former top fifty prospect, I believe, uh, according to Major League Baseball's uh, prospect list, at one point uh, has a healthy hard hit rate in the few times that he's been there. Uh, You know, the one thing I don't like is that he only has one barrel, albeit eleven games has one barrel but in 11 games he already has one more barrel than nick madrigal so and <laughs> but so. his max ev is actually right there with nick madrigal so like this is no, what not. i'm, I'm not going to no, understand not. no no hold on no 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 it's at 104.8 what's a madrigal oh, i'm sorry you said max I, yeah I, I yeah yeah, you, Ma- I yeah max average. ev no no yeah, no, well, no the no. average velocity is 90.1 for nico horner uh 86 for Nick Magical, which yeah, is the uh, Nick Magical has a higher uh, max EV, so obviously he has more raw power. <laughs> uh, sure, yeah, his raw power, ISO power of zero point zero eighty six. I mean, that's just so ridiculously low for Nick. Man, that's like little league numbers right there. So I'm gonna. And yet he's point. still batting over three hundred with a three fifty on base. No, we talked. Darn, empty cal- it's empty calories, man. Empty, empty calories. calories. <laughs> empty calories. It's- At least he can stay on the field. <laughs> Yeah, well, when you're when and you're it's funny with all with all of these injuries, like Tony Larusa still is benching Nick Madrigal like every third or fourth game for Lurie Garcia. Like what? They love Lurie Garcia. Oh my god, it's so why. frustrating. I, anytime I see him out of the lineup, I'm like, why, why? <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask you. So I think we kind of talked about it a, well, a week or two ago, but Nico Horner. Uh, you buy in on Nico Horner as a second baseman when he's healthy uh, for the rest of the season? I like him. I just don't think he's all that different from Nick Madrigal. And you, you like to hate on Nick Madrigal. I just well, I, I don't think there's that much of a difference. Unlike Nick, unlike Nick Madrigal, Nico Horner can actually hit for power, some pop, some authority, where Nick Madrigal just has a really ridiculously high ground ball rate. I mean, he is fast, but when you're hitting weak grounders to in the minors, he had a 427 base. career this slugging. This isn't the minors. All right. I'm this t- isn't the minors. This is major league baseball. So far, and- so far in his career through 250 plate appearances, he has a 369 slugging. Zero barrels it's already in his career no you have to care because that i mean that just that's the new way of of, of gauging these we're talking about players. horner here we're talking about horner not oh, magical. I we're talking about magical yeah so anyway, I, I, uh, you say he hits for power i i, I well he, when so he hit those he three home runs when he hit for three home runs um when he first came up in 2019 and everyone's like oh wow that he's got more power than we thought i it wasn't really yeah but he's um, still shown something in the majors. Okay, Nick this year, still this year he has a 556 slugging because he has six doubles in only 11 games. That's, if Nick Magical could have done that for me, he still would have been on my points league, but he doesn't. And and and, and not to bash too much on Magical, because the whole second base thing, and this is why I thought about Nick O'Horner, second base is just sucks, and they're full of those guys, those slap-happy hitters. So it's really degrees of who's getting me some pop and who's not. Nico Horner might give me some pop when he's healthy. Nick Magical won't give me any pop whatsoever. Okay. Also, I am looking at his hit chart for 2021. Uh-huh. All of he, so he has, like I said, six doubles. Four of them are literally right on the line. They they weren't mm-hmm. like hard hit balls to the <laughs> gap. They were pulled literally right over the bag. I mean, it, there's two right behind third base, and then that two that went to the wall. I'll give so, him that. He hit him so- to the wall. So there you go. Uh, for those wanting to <laughs> wonder why hitters don't have any back control, here's your back control guy right here. So hit them where they ain't. But again, I mean, even Nick Magic was not doing that. He's supposed to be faster than a lot of these second basemen. The, the, you know, the potential is still high up there for Magical. And 
Just kind of waiting. Horner, Horner is fast. He has very underrated speed. Uh, yeah. He never – I think he only has like six stolen bases uh, so far. Uh, three this year. Um, in the minors, never stole that many. But yeah, he is uh, pretty fast. 93rd, uh, 93rd percentile in sprint speed uh, the last uh, two years. Are you able to uh, sort sprint speed or any of those speed metrics over at Baseball Savant by second baseman? I'm kind of yeah. curious. As, as, so while you do that uh, – I'm, let me know when you're ready. But uh, positional on. ranked uh, third in 2020, uh, fifth in 2021. Who's number one and two? Uh, I would have to see that. Oh, give, okay. give, you, you continue. I will find it. All right. Well, here's where it gets controversial. Uh, I, I felt like I since you brought up Taiwan Walker. Uh, listen, I've been I've been in this thing for a long time now since 2012, <laughs> 2013. Anytime you talk about that class of prospects from the, from the early 2010s. I get a little bit nostalgic because that's how I got my start in uh, as a sports writer of sorts is talking about some of these prospects, including Taiwan Walker and uh, this guy right here named uh, Jake Marisnik, <laughs> who uh, is 30 years old. But as of oh. March 30th, March 30th, uh, he just <laughs> he just turned 30. So, you know, uh, I snuck him in there because he is uh, he is uh, producing a very limited uh, part time duty here. So I, I checked out the splits. If you're in a daily league and the Cubs are facing a left-handed pitcher and you see Jake Marisnik is out there in the lineup, you, I think you, you are safe to say that you should go ahead and start it, start this guy as he's just uh, hitting the crap out of the ball in very limited duty. Again, he's not playing every day, but again, you know, I saw him on the fan graphs, uh, one of the f- first four pages again. And I go, Hey, you know, this good. I remember this guy. He was supposed to be a something. He was kind of what Byron. He was Byron Buxton light in terms of prospect type. Like he was still a top 100 guy. He was supposed to be a great defender, which he ended up becoming a great defender. But like Buxton, he never walks. He strikes (laughs) out a lot. lot, And this year, um, when you first mentioned him, I was like, okay, let let me go see. I know he's hit a couple of home runs and that's probably boosting his uh, numbers a little bit, but I wanted to, to dig deeper into it. And he has a 44% line drive percentage, which is just insane. Uh, who does he think he is, Freddie Freeman? Like, it's it's not going to stay like that. Um, I, but what about this it, comparison? Let me ask you. When I first saw these numbers, you know who it kind of reminded me of? But obviously, without the speed and the, and the fielding prowess, it kind of reminded me of Adam Duvall, what he has become. Except I actually believe in Adam Duvall's power. He had back-to-back, like, 30 home run seasons. Jake Marisnik had back-to-back three home run seasons. <laughs> okay, what about Adam? What about, I'm being facetious there, but I, I feel like that's what it was. Adam Duvall light, like just, like Adam Duvall in terms of who uh, hasn't know, eaten in three months, maybe. <laughs> wait, he hasn't eaten in three months. What's wrong with him? Yeah, he's that skinny compared oh, to Adam right. Duvall. <laughs> like that's how light he's gonna be. I see what you're saying. Da, 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 da. Okay. Uh, another reason why I brought him up is because he was uh, with the Marlins when Christian Yelich, uh, they both got called up at the same time. You know how I feel about Christian Yelich, one of my favorite players. Uh, he kind of, uh, uh, Christian Yelich is like, one, like if I, you know me, man, I'm very crusty and very uh, uh, jaded when it comes to heroes and all that nonsense. But Christian Yelich, if there's going to be a baseball hero that I have, it's going to be him. I love them when he was at the Marlins uh, farm system and the fact that Marisnik and him are connected because they got called up at the same time. I had to do it. Uh, he was part of that trade that sent, uh, listen to this list. Marisnik got traded from the Marlins to the Astros for Colin Moran, Francis Martez, and a draft pick, a compensatory draft pick to the Houston Astros for Jared Cozart, 
Enrique Hernandez. Yes, that Enrique Hernandez, Kike Hernandez, and Austin Waits. So and then, like Jared, then Jared Cozart was traded from the Marlins to the Padres in the same deal that sent Chris Paddock mm. from the Marlins to the Padres. Uh, yeah, that, that trade had a lot of interesting pieces when you go back and look at it. Cozart, Kike, yeah, it was a very interesting deal. And then he went to the Mets for uh, Blake Tr- Taylor, which I think we you talked to about him uh, very early, if not in, the, in March sometime. Yeah. I believe you talked about Blake Taylor from the Astros. Left-handed right. relief pitcher, solid. That's him, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, you it looks like Mariznick, in very part-time duty, also it, – it was able to post similar numbers for the Mets last year in terms of the slash line. He's yeah. posting a very similar uh, slash line for the Cubs this year. And again, very limited uh, duty. So again, I, it, it's a matchup play, right? If you're, if you see the Cubs facing a left-handed pitcher and he's in the starting lineup uh, early on in the day, I think you'd be hard pressed to not start him. I think you got to take advantage of the, of the left-handed uh, righty lefty splits or whatever they're called. I'm not a splits guy. You could tell. <laughs> I, I couldn't care less, but for this one, I go, well, how's he doing against left-handed pitching? And over the last two years, he's uh, crushed it. So, so there's that. Um, where are we? Going I, I did. I did get that uh, second base uh, speed ranking yes. for you. What do you got? Uh, so Nico Warner is sixth at the position with a 28.7 uh, feet per second. That is tied with Cesar Hernandez. Nick Madrigal is 12th at 28 feet per second, tied with Dylan Moore and slightly ahead of guys like Ozzy Albies and Jake Cronenworth. Um, the most interesting one here is number one and number two are Gavin Lux and Nick Solak. Wow. And then number three, who is faster than both in terms of average sprint speed, faster than Jazz Chisholm, uh, Tommy Edmond, and Whit Merrifield, who are all in the top ten. Number three is Jose Altuve. Yeah, I at, at, interesting. At 31 years old, that's a... There's two 31-year-olds in that top 10 or in that top five uh, between Cesar and Altuve, which is interesting. Uh, interesting. Everyone would think Jose Altuve is like, oh, he's done. He's lost yeah. it. I honestly would He's think faster that, than Jazz Chisholm, apparently. I, I would have imagined that Altuve would be 12th and then Nick Magical would be up there. I, I, and, you know, and there's well, you know what it is, Sean? When, when you're constantly hitting ground balls to second and shortstop, you have no reason to run that fast, Nick Magical. So I, I, I could see it. I can see it. You know, it's, you know what it is. He can't hit the ball to the wall. So he, he hasn't been able to display his speed. You know? Yeah. You know, he hasn't really been able to open up the throttle, right? <laughs> that, that has to be it. Now, did you tell me there was like another stat that you can do uh, that is more accurate to how fast these guys are? The um, there's it's, it's not really as fast as they are, but their splits, their split times, mm-hmm. uh, there's zero to 90 splits. Um, it, that is actually more indicative. Uh, if you're looking at BABIP, sort of calculations to see, hey, does this guy, um, you know, because the ways to improve BABIP, be fast, hit ball hard. Um, and if a guy is fast, but say he's like Avisael Garcia, uh, yeah. big guy, fat, he is fast. He's always been one of the faster guys in the league, but his splits are a little bit more closer to average because it takes him longer to get up to speed. Was he Donkey Kong? I, basically, I guess. From and, uh, um, Mario Kart, I should say. And so that, that was how uh, using those splits is more of a accurate way to determine how speed influences things like BABIP and batting average. Are you able to pull up the rankings on that statistic you were just talking about? Yes. Okay. Right uh, you want me to continue? You got yeah, you, you keep going. You keep going. The next guy we're going to talk about is Willie Calhoun, who's uh, <laughs> I always liked them. Uh, only thing I love, like about him love, is like, love me some Willie Bats. 
only thing I don't like about him is he's too short and he only plays designated hitter for some reason. Uh, is he? Do you know if he's actually been playing the field this year? Uh, he's gotten a few appearances in left field. Okay, that's. Good I, to know. I think the infield days are over, but yeah, I think he's played uh, some I, left field <laughs> and and mainly DH'd. I honestly did not know that he was an infield. I always thought he was. Yes, yeah, it was like, second when he came up with uh, LA. He was playing a lot of second base. Interesting. And then when he was traded, uh, Texas was like, uh, I think still had. Do they have Ian Kinsler still? Probably. They would have been like right at the end of Ian Kinsler being there. But uh, yeah, they said, yeah, we're not playing you at second base because it was an adventure with him. And they moved him to left field. And he wasn't really that good in left field either. So it's a. You know what? It could have been there, Sean. It also could have been not just Ian Kinsler, but also uh, Rogue Nindle Door. Oh, that would have have been it. That would have been it right there. Or maybe even Jerickson Profar. Yeah. That that would have been it. Odor definitely was it. So back when the Rangers actually had some infield uh, depth in their minor leagues. Uh, But yeah. So let's see. Willie Calhoun, uh, wonderful uh, walk to strikeout ratio. That's second uh, on this list that we're talking here. Uh, 338 average. Uh, so there's a traditional number for you. Let's look. He's a very patient hitter, as we mentioned, uh, but it's based on the walk per strikeout ratio. Very patient. He's the anti Byron Buxton here. Uh, <laughs> has the low, uh, one of the lowest swinging strikes on this list. Uh, hard hit rate, according to fan graphs, isn't as high though, 32.7. What's the, ah, okay. Statcast, however, says that he's at a healthy 43.6%. So that's not bad. 90.8 velo- exit velocity on average. Uh, could I would like to see the barrels go up a little bit, but he's at 5.5% so far, which is still better than uh, Nick Magical. <clears throat> uh, and uh, has one of the higher contact rates here. Uh, so there's a guy who can actually hit the ball with some authority. He's and, uh, he's Jeff McNeil with a little bit more power. You think so? I, I obviously the batting average might not might be a little bit lower, but when you look at and I've always thought they were very close in terms of just pure hitting ability. Um, like I said, I am obsessed with prospect hit tools. When I see someone that is consistently hitting like 300, 330, 350 in the minors at every single stop, I am like, pause, wait a minute. Why isn't this guy ranked higher in prospect list? Oh, because he doesn't hit for power. He doesn't do this. Well, I don't care. If you have the God-given gift that guys like Willie Calhoun and Jeff McNeil have to be this good of hitters, you, you know something. And right now for him, it's always just been <clears> – <throat> staying healthy and finding a home in the lineup uh, because he is defensively challenged, but yeah, he's, he's fun to watch. And I don't think he's ever going to be like a masher. Like, so you, you, the barrels might never be more than like maybe a career best, like 10% rate, but he's one of those guys, his barrel percentage, I think is going to stay low because he makes so much contact. Yeah. And so that tends to the more contact you make, uh, unless you're just Mike Trout, the, that usually your barrels drop a little bit because you're making all this contact, and sometimes it's on pitches that you're just dinking over, you know, the third baseman's head or over the first baseman's head. I forgot. But, uh, uh, is 11.8 launch angle? Is that good? I forgot. That's yeah. that's line drive-ish, which is okay. what Willie Calhoun is. I mean, he, all right. he, okay. for his career, he's a uh, 25%. Uh, they're saying 25% here um, line drive header 29.6 is rookie year. Uh, never posted lower than 22. He's at 27% this year. Like I said, I think he's more of a line drive guy than like a 30 home run threat. Yeah. But maybe Daniel Murphy is a good comp like post breakout Daniel Murphy. 
like where he hits 20 to 25 home runs with like 30, 30, 40 doubles. I could see that. Yeah, it feels like we've been waiting for Willie Calhoun forever now. It looks like he's finally getting a chance. Another Texas Rangers player, Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe. Hey, hey, did you have Nate Lowe on pace for a 30-20 season? I don't think he's on pace for a 30-20 season. Yeah, uh, has seven home runs, four stolen bases, uh, 11 walk percentage, which is the second uh, highest on the list behind uh, Nico Horner. Uh, also has the second highest strikeout rate uh, behind Jake Mirisnik. So so you take the good with the bad there. But isolated power of 203, which is pretty healthy. Uh, batting 273 with the uh, ops of 835. So, yeah, he's having himself a hell of a season. Very patient hitter. That's another – that's going to be a theme for the Rangers, isn't it, uh, if, if we break it down. Another patient hitter just like Willie Calhoun does not swing outside the strike zone. Uh, decent contact rate for a power hitter of his stature. 10.1 swinging strike percentage, which is not – too ridiculous i mean it's not as good as we look at home but it's for a power hitter you always you always assume it's high it would be higher uh hard hit rate according to stack cast of 45.5 percent and finally the barrel rate uh 14.8 which is the second highest on this list behind uh behind byron buxton uh what else did i want to say oh uh, healthy exit velocity of 90.9 i know you saw nate low a lot back in your uh josh i i i unfortunately didn't get to see nate low he did dominate in montgomery but that was okay. in uh 2018 uh, he batted 340 with an OPS over a thousand. Okay. Um, he walked more than he struck out, and everyone just raved about him because. But his brother Josh Lowe was in Montgomery the very next year, and so I started digging in more into Nate Lowe. And you look at his numbers in the minors, and you can't help but be impressed. Uh, 300 uh, average, 400 on base in the minors, and a 483 slugging. So it always felt like maybe that power was going to be the last thing that came, and here we are. Uh, in the minors, he never struggled with lefties. Uh, but so far, um, in his first year in 2019 with the Rays, he had an OPS over 1,000 versus lefties and only 25 uh, at-bats. But since then, has really struggled against lefties, uh, which might worry me a little bit in terms of platoon issues. Uh, but I believe he, are, he, he has a home run against a lefty this year, so okay. con- congrats to him. Uh, but the interesting thing with him is that he has stolen four bases and at first base where we're just not really expecting anything from a first baseman in terms of steals i mean the last guy to do that was like paul yeah paul goldschmidt like five years ago and um i was just looking at this in the minors he stole a combined four bases over 400 (laughs) games gets to the major leagues and steals four bases in 25 games or 30 games whatever it is i think that's really impressive (laughs) It is very impressive. Yeah, you're right. It is a rarity. It's especially like, a, like the Rays. The Rays r- run a lot in the minors, uh, especially with their fast players. But maybe since he was the big plodding lefty first baseman, they never gave him the green light. And now the Rangers are like, hell, we're not winning anyway. Everybody gets the green light. And he's just having fun with it. <laughs> that's what I thought as well. All right, let's move on to the next guy because uh, we're almost close to finishing up this list. Alex Verdugo uh, this caused a little bit of controversy when we were talking about him because I, I honestly thought last year was uh, people were still kind of concerned and there was that back problem that, that seemed to not go away. He's having a much better year so far this year than last year. And here's how it uh, tailed the tape for him. Oh, just like Nate Lowe, four home runs and three stolen bases. So uh, the power is, seems to be uh, finally creeping up a little bit. He has displayed some speed with the Red Sox who – 
I didn't realize they had the best record in Major League Baseball. So yep. he's a big part of that. Okay, so here it is. A 0.67 walk per strikeout ratio. Very good batting eye. He's always had that, even with the Dodgers. But it seems like now it, it's more magnified now. Now that he is getting regular playing time. 301 batting average. 849 ops. Uh, the 30.1% swing rate. I mean, this guy is very, uh, I'm sorry, off outside the strike zone swing rate. Very patient guy. Uh, where is the the swinging strike swinging strike take a look at this 5.3 swinging strike percent it's the lowest on this list there sean yeah it's uh he looking at a lot of the hitters we've looked at so far you look at their whiff right against the fastballs breaking balls and off speed and there's usually at least one that's well over 30 that the hitter struggles with um the highest one for alex verdugo is 17.8 which would have been like the lowest of any of the other ones and that's on uh breaking pitches which he's still batting 250 again so it's not like he's a complete loss against the breaking pitches he just he's an absolute fastball hunter uh batting 411 on him only whiffing 11 percent of the time so he's a stud and and the reason I'll, I'm going to let you finish first. Go ahead. I was going to say he has the highest contact rate, uh, 88.6% on this list. Yeah. So the reason that this was a hotly debated thing about whether we were going to include him on this list, he is not included on my list, on my little fan sheet I have pulled up. And that's because Verdugo already broke out. He was great last year in 2020. He played in 53 games, posted a career-high 844 OPS, uh, for I mean, at that point, it was his career high. This year, he's an 849 OPS. So it's really a lot of the same. So I, I didn't think that he was just now breaking out. Um, but some things that I do like that he's doing more this year compared to last year is the ground ball percentage is down. Fly ball percentage is up. Line drive percentage is holding steady. So he's not really sacrificing the line drives to get more fly balls. He's just getting the ball off the ground more. And uh, I, I see a lot of Michael Brantley in uh, Alex oh, wow. Verdugo. I, I think that's that's the the comp that I'm going to go with there. It's a really good comp. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Michael Brantley always had a high um, contact rate, uh, hit for average. Uh, I I honestly had a lot of high hopes for Michael Brantley before the shoulder injuries seemed to have taken over uh, for him. Um, I feel like he's not been the same, but he did uh, was able to transform into a very good professional major league baseball hitter. So yeah, for sure. I, that's a really good comp. Uh, and then finally, the last guy on the list, Francisco Mejia, uh, only 19 games, 67 plate appearances. I think there's still a split between him and Mike Zanino. Is that correct? Yeah, it's basically half and half, but still, I mean, this is, he's finally hitting the way we thought he could hit. <laughs> so we think. So we think 300 batting, I mean, 300 batting average, 798 ops for a catcher. Uh, yeah. If yeah. You well, yo, that- well, well, we'll take those numbers, but I'll wait until we pop the hood and then you're going to be like, I need a fire extinguisher. This thing's broken. It's on fire. But I was going to say uh, we were uh, kind of ragging on Byron Buxton for having these free swinging, impatient approach to the plate. Uh, Francisco Mejia is even worse. Uh, his swings at half of pitches. He sees outside the strike zone. Uh, 60% overall swing rate. So he's just hacking. This is like Pablo Sandoval numbers over here. Um, but I guess because he swings at a lot of pitches, he also makes a lot of co- contact rate. Uh, only a 10.6 swinging strike, which I, for a guy who swings at a lot of pitches outside the strike zone, I'm kind of surprised that it's not higher, that it's not reaching the Byron Buxton levels. Uh, let's see what the stack has numbers say. Uh, 86.7 mile per hour exit velocity, which is a... That's yeah, amazing. that's uh, bad. <laughs> a hard hit rate of 27.5%. I mean, who is he? Willings Acedillo? Uh, <laughs> although I, I might be wrong. I think maybe Acedillo is even lower than that. But just the fact that it's 27.5% and 
uh, is kind of disappointing because uh, Mejia came with a lot more, uh, what do you call it, hype in regards to that bat tool. What were you going to say over there? Oh, uh, no, I was, I was yawning, my bad. Oh, I'm, am I boring you there, Sean? What the hell? <laughs> Fall asleep uh, over here. <laughs> yeah, it's getting late. Uh, I, oh, I, actually, I'm, I'm actually done. Uh, what do you got to say about Mejia here? I, it's He has been one of the most frustrating prospects I've ever watched come up because I was the biggest Mejia fan. Because uh, once again, I see these batting averages that are consistently 300, 340, 333. Uh, I mean, the, the lowest batting average he had at a stop was in A ball in 2015. He batted 243 and followed that up the next year by batting 342 as he jumped up two levels. And it, he just hasn't put it together at the major league level. I was hoping that the trade to Tampa. Maybe it'll they'll help him figure it out. And of course, we can look at his 300 average right now and say, yes, he's figured it out. But it's just so blatantly obvious that all of the issues that have held him back um, are still there. Uh, 234 expected batting average right in line. Uh, it's slightly better than his uh, career normal for that. Um, he's overperforming his WOBA by or WOBA expected WOBA by nearly 80 points. Uh, he's got a 346. His expected Woba is 278. Just not good. Um, his defense, he's still not a, a, a good framer behind the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy that if Tampa, I think, doesn't see more growth from him, they trade him. And which sucks because I was excited for him to go to Tampa. Hey, he only has to beat out Mike, Zin- uh, Mike Zanino. This is the Chris Taylor, Gavin Lux story all over again. We want the prospect that we've always loved, but he can't wrestle the job away from the veteran. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I don't think Mejia, it, he's only 25 years old. I'll give him that, but mm-hmm. it's, it's time. Like you gotta, you gotta show me something and yeah. I'm not seeing it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's it. That's all the players that we had. Uh, you know what? And after thinking about it, I, I feel like, you know, if you're looking for some fantasy baseball help for this upcoming week, I feel like we didn't provide that this week because I, I want to do something different, Sean. But so I, that's why I'm glad that you actually brought up like some of these former hype up, hyped up prospects from yesteryear and uh, bringing them to light. So for the people, I just want a, a yes or no answer for I'm going to do lightning round, um, throw names at you. All right. And this is okay. the CBS Sports uh, guys who are, I'm going to say, 55 percent or lower. So these guys are available in uh, only have an ownership rating of 55% or lower. So they, if you're in need of help, there's a really good chance you can pick up some of these guys. So, again, yes or no, gut reaction. Okay. Josh Rojas. Yes. He's on fire. Yeah. He's on fire. Dom Nunez, catcher for the Rockies. Uh, if you've lost Travis Darno or any of those other catchers who are injured, then, yeah, sure, go for it. And uh, just pulling up. Jeez, oh, I don't know why it's so slow. Okay, Josh Rojas uh, plays second base, right field, and shortstop, for those wondering. Uh, for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and uh, with Cole Calhoun out and Cattell Marte on the way back, Tim LaCastro is also back. Josh Rojas might start to lose a little bit of time, uh, but he did play a lot of shortstop while Nick Ahmed was out. Nick Ahmed is struggling, uh, but the Diamondbacks always play Nick Ahmed because of his defense. Um, but Rojas is a guy that I've been I've been tooting that train for like three years now. Yes, you have. <laughs> uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier today. Daniel Lynch, starting pitcher for the Royals, yes or no? Uh, great stuff. I'm not sure I would buy in just yet, but obviously keeper dynasty. Yeah. You need to be on him if he's available. 
Okay. Uh, Tyler O'Neill from the St. Louis Cardinals plays all outfield positions, I believe. Yes or no? If you're screwed in the outfield right now, like I am, uh, yeah, go for it. Sorry, correction. Only plays left field. Sorry about that. I could have sworn he played all three positions. Uh, 21% William Contreras. Not Wilson Contreras. It's his brother, William Contreras, for the Atlanta Braves. There's better. I would rather have Dom Dom Nunez. Mm, Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, In only 13 at-bats, Contreras, William Contreras, is hitting 308. Still not a believer? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's like four games. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Just uh, sample size issue. Adver Alzale, 40% owned, starting pitcher for the Cubs. I would hope there's somebody better on the stream, uh, on the waiver wire. Okay. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Tucker Barnhart, catcher for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, there's him and Stevenson are still about a 50 50 split. Um, I have the Stevenson side of that because I believe more in Stevenson's bat. But Barnhart has retooled his swing a little bit. So, yeah, go for it. Uh, he, once again, I, I'd probably, uh, if we have uh, Barnhart, Nunez, uh, Contreras, um, yeah, Barnhart's going to be at the top of that list. All right. Uh, Tony Gonsolin is expected to come back maybe by May 18th with a shoulder injury. I don't believe it. I'll, only when I see it. 45% on. Do you believe in Tony Gonsolin? Yes or no? Uh, he might be a good stash now uh, with some of the injuries they faced. Uh, yeah, I would go ahead and stash him now. Okay. Tyler Anderson. It's like, I, we always bring up, uh, now he's at 28%. I feel like he's dropped a little bit, but Tyler Anderson, yes or no? Uh, pirates, Tyler Anderson, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, maybe it would depend on matchup. Okay. Uh, I am pulling that up right now. He gets the Cubs tomorrow. Oh, start baby start. <laughs> it's at Wrigley field against Kyle Hendricks. It is mother's day. Uh, and he is a lefty and that, lineup does do somewhat well against lefty so jake marisnik maybe uh, maybe i pumped the brakes a little bit but yeah i I would start him (laughs) yeah you gotta be uh, you gotta be uh careful because jake marisnik's gonna be in the lineup i bet huh i think we're more worried about uh chris bryant (laughs) sure sure why not uh he's also the next start after that's the 14th of may uh against at home against the giants against my guy kevin gossman so yeah don't pick him up not, it's too choppy right there. Uh, where am I? Willie Calhoun. We just talked about him. I, I would assume. Wait, is it? Guys. Wait, you said is it a two-start week for Tyler Anderson? No, because he pitches tomorrow. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. If his next start is in San Francisco, uh, him as a lefty, that Giants team is just absolutely pounding lefties right now. Darren Ruff, Evan Longoria, Wilmer Flores, all guys that crush lefties. I would not uh, start him versus the Giants. It's at Pittsburgh, by the way. Uh, uh, yes, I, even okay. even more reason not to start him. <laughs> okay. I, I think that's a more hitter-friendly park than San Francisco. True, true. Willie Calhoun, we just talked about him. He's only at 50% ownership rate. Get I, him now, now, people. Yeah, okay. Uh, Garrett Richards, a uh, little bit of a bounce back all of a sudden, I think. Uh, he... Uh, had a hell of a week uh, in week five. I, I lost. Yeah, he, we all, all it takes is one time facing the Mets and you uh, get your life back on track, apparently. So what do you think? Uh, is he? Finally... I, I've always liked Garrett Richards and I yeah. was ready to give up on him. But hey, his last few starts have made me, you know, he, he's kind of like my Dylan Cease. <laughs> well, for those in daily leagues, they only have until seven o'clock Eastern time, I believe. Uh, he, th- he's in Baltimore today. Yes or no? Yeah, I, I have him starting in my daily league. Oh, okay. And then on the 13th of May, he faces the uh, Oakland Athletics. And I'm gonna, yeah, start, I'm starting him there, too. Really? Okay. Yeah. Even at Boston? Yeah. Okay. Because he's really come onto his own on the road here the last two starts. But okay. Uh, duly noted. 
Uh, Mike Zunino, we just talked about him a little bit with Francisco Mejia. Uh, you're staying away from that Rays catching situation, I'm assuming. Yeah, Zunino, I'll never ever pick, and Mejia, I just I, I don't believe it. I want to. It, it's awesome to look and see him batting 300. It's just I know it's not going to stay. Josh Harrison, uh, middle infielder, second baseman for the Washington Nationals. Uh, you you're gonna need to be like really screwed if you're picking him up. <laughs> Uh, Luis Garcia from the Astros. Uh, he's starting on Monday, and I believe that might be two starts for him. He faces the Angels. I'm not sure Alex if he Cobb. is going to be getting two starts. He's been like a spot starter for them so far. Okay. So I, I don't know. He's the weird name out of all the names that they've started. Uh, I'm not really sure why they've gone to him, but I, I like some of the other names more. You know, the, the Abreus, the Bielix. But um, he's had he's been pretty good so far this year, so maybe. <laughs> okay, uh, AJ Pollock is expected to return maybe today from a hamstring, fifty percent on coin flip. What do you think? Is he going to get me seven RBIs in a game like he did that last time? I don't know. Uh, it's yeah, hard so to no, tell. At this no, point. <laughs> granted that that di- or, uh, Diamondbacks team, uh, that Dodgers team is just like falling apart at the seams. Everyone's dropping like flies. So maybe he becomes more than a platoon bat when he comes back. So that'd be nice. Oh, sorry. Okay. So uh, I was only reading the abbreviated injury report that says he's probable for today. I mean, he's, he, you know, oh. he's not uh, on a deal. Right okay. Not on the aisle, but uh, six hours ago was diagnosed with a grade one hamstring string on Friday. Of course. Of course. Uh, Pollock was removed from Friday's game in the sixth inning after feeling a triple. He's currently considered day to day. will be reevaluated Saturday today to determine the extent of the issue. George Springer was just AJ Pollock that got almost double the money. Or over double the money. That's all it was. <laughs> old, old freaking center fielders that weren't going to play center field anymore with a history of chronic leg injuries. Yeah, let's give them big bucks. Oh my God, that's big, big bucks. Then, uh, <laughs> Kevin Smith. I know that's one of your guys. Yeah, there. Pavin and uh, Josh Rojas. Go get them. First uh, base center, Smith has center field fil- and right field eligibility, yeah. by the way. He has really filled in great for Cole Calhoun. Uh, you know, he started off the year in right field for Cole Calhoun. Calhoun came back, um, hurt his hamstring again. Uh, he's kind of in that uh, Alex Verdugo type mold. It doesn't really whiff a lot of pitches. Um, he's got a like 89 mile an hour average exit velo, uh, 289 expected batting average, which is almost identical to his expected batting average from last year. Um, I expect him to walk a little bit more, but he is just a steady Eddie as they come at the plate. He's been leading off a lot in that lineup. Uh, multi-versatility, like you said. Uh, yeah, get add him. I think he's the guy. I, I would add him over Rojas, even though Rojas is the hotter hitter right now. Yeah. I think Pavin has the more stable job. Mike Tuckman, who just recently got traded to the Giants. It looks like he's been playing every day. Even Eat your heart out, Vince Merck and Daddy. <laughs> what, what's, the, what's the joke there? Oh, uh, he's very mad that they gave up on Talkman and kept Gardner on the roster. <laughs> well, Gardner ha- is signed under contract, so I'm pretty sure. What did the Yankees get? Uh, do you remember what the Yankees got in that trade? Uh, they got uh, Wandy Peralta, left-handed reliever. So maybe they need a left-handed reliever. I don't know. Yeah, can't have too many Aroldis Chapman's in the bullpen. Jesus. Uh, so he's only owned in 17%, so I think people are kind of still iffy about him. I know the Giants have like a million outfielders that they can. But they're all to. hurt. They're all hurt. 
that's what I was going to uh, ask you. Are they still all hurt? Uh, Yaz is supposed to be coming back, I believe, today or sometime this weekend. I'm not sure. Uh, he is on the mend. Alex Dickerson's really struggled. Uh, Austin yes. Slater has struggled. Both guys who I was very high on, and this is yep. depressing. Yep. But my issue with Mike Talkman was I thought that if he stayed in New York, he would be really good. Um, he was one of those guys where his power played up in New York. And I'm not sure if it's going to do that anyplace else. It's definitely not going to do it in San Francisco. Maybe he's going to hit like lead the league in triples, maybe. But offensively, I'm not really sure this is the best fit for him. He'll be a good player for them, but I'm not sure if he's going to be the 2019 Mike Talkman that, you know, took the fantasy world by storm. And when the entire team fell apart in New York, going to roster resource, Mike Talkman, uh, is the, your leadoff hitter and starting center fielder no, or left, no, left, fielder. left fielder. Okay. Uh, Mike Dostromsky batting number two. Uh, and that's what happened yesterday. Uh, actually today, okay. I should say T- yeah. today, today, not yesterday. Like, like I said, he was supposed to be coming back like today or tomorrow. Well, here's the problem with the giants. Uh, they have platoons for everybody. Uh, so Talkman and, uh, Steven Dugar are the left-handed, uh, platoon outfielders. And then it's the combination of Darren Ruff, Mauricio Dubon and Austin Slater as the right-handed versions of those. So, that's a problem, but Talkman, to his credit, has started almost every single game since, since uh, last trade. Sunday. Yeah, no. so uh, we'll see if that uh, if he continues that route. What's next here? Who's this guy? Oh, that's Mike Talkman. Never mind. Who's this guy? <laughs> Josh Stoutman. It's a it's a it's a favorite of ours. Uh, hey, uh, he picked up a couple of saves, blew a save. Got the um, loss. Uh, I still think he's um, the guy to keep, though. Okay, I'm I'm not jumping ship. They've used a couple of guys. L- in the ninth inning when they were down or had a big lead, they didn't go directly to Stalmont, but that would kind of lend me to believe that they're not going to waste Stalmont there because they think he's their closer. Kyle Higashioka for the Yankees says, uh, Yankee fans are demanding that this guy start more and just get rid of Gary Sanchez, which at this point I'd welcome uh, them getting rid of Gary Sanchez and go, go him going to a team that will give him more at bats. But it's not like it looks like it's like a, another split over there in Yankee land. Do you I mean, if you're chance? starting him, you're starting him for defense. Like, yeah, he had the three home run game last year. Uh, he's a 220 header this year. Yeah. Uh, he's hit four home runs. Congratulations. You want a cookie. Uh, yeah. I can hit a home run at Yankee stadium, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I don't think he's really much of fantasy relevant. Like okay. as much as Martin Maldonado is maybe. <laughs> uh, moving on to Brennan belt. Uh, it's an old favorite of ours. It seems like uh, he's always creeping up on the waiver wire right now. He's only 26% owned. Just, just it's the perils of uh, hitting in San Francisco. No, yes no, 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 he's been, I don't think he's even played. Uh, he had that foot surgery, and no, he's, he's back. He is how many games has he played? Uh, he's played. Oh, enough. he played thirty-two games. Jesus, don't listen to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought he was gonna be out until like this week. I thought he was just now coming back. Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, last seven games he's played in every single game. It looks like. Um, yeah, he's not platooning. He's not pinch hitting. He's getting his four regular at bats every single day. Um, I mean, he's hitting the ball hard and he's walking. Uh, he's just seems to be a fly ball machine right now. Uh, 30, 33% uh, fly ball rate, which usually is good. Um, we, we like to see that, except then you realize he's playing in San Francisco and the ball doesn't travel that well. 
And the last guy, to say the least. The, and the last guy on the list, 14% owned, uh, Jose Ureña for the Detroit Tigers has gone back to back to back to back seven inning uh, stints, uh, posting healthy fantasy numbers for fantasy owners. He gets the Twins today. Uh, this today is May 8th, a Saturday. And then on the 14th of May, gets the Cubs and Zach Davies. Um, wait, who's he pitching against today? I'm sorry. Uh, the Twins and Jose Barrios. I would in Detroit uh yeah I, oops I I turned it off oh yeah I, I would I would maybe do it I don't know I don't like Jose Urania I've never liked Jose Urania I mean the last four starts I mean seven strikeouts uh eight strikeouts and uh, back on April 16th so I mean the strikeouts aren't always going to be there but seven strong innings from yeah uh, he, he's never been a, a strikeout guy which is weird because right. he has such power stuff but exactly. it's because it's a power sinker yeah. um and the, the velo is actually down this year, um, which is interesting. He's still only 29 years old. It feels like he's been around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it is a good park for him to pitch in. It's a great division for him to pitch in. Um, he's a guy who, depending on the matchup, I would stream. I would like to stream a lot. They're both at home, by the way. Both okay. uh, starts today and uh, uh, May 14th. They're both at Detroit. Yeah, I'd run him out there. Okay, and that's it. That's all the plays we have for you. Hey, uh, the other shows, Dong City. That's tomorrow, uh, Monday. I should say Monday night. Uh, followed by the Audible Football Life with uh, Matt and Randy. That's on Tuesday night. Uh, Workshoot Podcast. That's Thursday night with Corey, who chimed in to say hello earlier today, and uh, Jason Brooks. Friday or Saturday, it's the Step Back Podcast with Leon and Jacob, and then every weekend you come back to us. We start your life group podcast week with the total basis podcast for me. I am Felipe for Sean over there. That's Sean. We'll see you next week. Bye guys.